This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Sharp Spring Ads. If you are doing ad retargeting or you're thinking about doing it, you better stick around because I've got an amazing offer for you from Sharp Spring Ads. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jansen. My guest today is Phil Simon. He's a keynote speaker and technology authority and award-winning author of 11 business books and counting, including the one we're going to talk about today, Reimagining Collaboration, Slack, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, and the post-COVID world of work. So, Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. So, Anybody who has COVID in the title, we have to talk about it a little bit. You know, a lot of this technology that maybe is now going to seem like normal life has sort of been around for a while, but it's really got accelerated. Is it, in your view, has it changed anything permanently? Oh, sure. Forget what I think. I look at what companies are doing. Last August, Pinterest canceled an $89.5 million office lease because they didn't think they'd need as much space in the future. Just last week, I think it was Salesforce announced that in the future, they're going to be three buckets of employees. Those who are always there, so maintenance, food service, security. Those who are always remote, maybe your hardcore coders, and then people who are hybrid. So yes, I do think that the future of work is hybrid, and nothing that's happened since I heard the term coronavirus has changed my opinion on that. So... Again, going back to the title, how, how do you define collaboration and maybe how it's evolved? Sure. Well, I write in chapter two that collaboration has been around since long before you and I were around, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. And we conflate terms, right? So communication isn't the same as collaboration, right? You and I can be very clear about what we're doing, but we don't do it well, right? Or I could be coordinating activities, but that's not necessarily collaboration. So I thought it was really essential in a book about collaboration to define adjacent terms. But to answer your question, John, collaboration is quite simply working together to get something done. And I'd also argue that it really isn't the goal, right? The goal is to sell more widgets, right? Or create a better product. And a collaboration is a means to an end. Uh, I think as I write in the book, BlackBerry can try to resurrect its moribund brand by collaborating well, but people may not be buying Blackberries anymore. So all things being equal though, John, if you give me two companies one of which collaborates using hubs and spokes, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, and one uses Slack or Microsoft Teams as email or Zoom for mostly video. With no other information, I'll bet on the first company any day of the week and twice on Sunday. So has the technology, is, is, is more collaboration that's been created by the ability to you know have people all over the world collaborating has that created a, a better end result in your in your view so it's not just a matter that we can collaborate but that we should not only can we we should does it always work the short answer is no and this is why this is arguably my most holistic book i've written a bunch of books before i'm not a solutionist right i do not believe that you can just throw technology at a problem Right. And this goes back, oh, I'm dating myself almost 25 years when I first started working in enterprise tech. Yeah, these VPs saying, oh, we have best of breed ERP and CRM systems. Well, that's great, but they're loaded with crap data. So you now have better access to bad data. Good luck with that. Your business process is broken and you like to blame the systems and the data, but ultimately it's a people issue. So we can collaborate better, but if we, it, 
stick with legacy business processes, if we allow VPs to not use these collaboration hubs and just to send email because we think all text messages are the same, then ultimately we are eliminating, we are limiting the power of these tools and by definition, the extent to which we can collaborate. So I don't mean to be evasive, but I don't have a three-point plan for it. I think if you understand the power of these tools, and to my knowledge, no book has taken this sort of approach, then you're on your way. But you can't tell me that just because you use Slack or Google Workspace, by definition, you collaborate well. It isn't that easy. Yeah, and that and that's the reimagined part, I, I suppose, because I imagine there are a lot of people saying, well, we've got all these newest, latest, greatest things, but they're still as you said, they're still using them. Like Slack has, is email 2.0. I think people refer to it as, you know, and those are generally people not using it as a different means of collaboration. Couldn't agree with you more. My previous two books were Slack for Dummies and Zoom for Dummies. And those were 400 page books. And I had sometimes not only customers, but Slack employees say, wait, we can do that. <laughs> so <laughs> these tools are so much more robust in and of themselves, much less when you link these third-party apps whether it's something like MuleSoft or CRM, like Salesforce or an ERP like Workday, or even individual productivity tools like Trello or Asana for project management. And, and you can really look at it more holistically. So I like to think that this book will make people think about how they're doing things, because if you've got this tool, but this legacy business process prevents you from using it, then maybe it's time to look at the process to see if you can do a lot better. So I'm probably a somewhat typical business in that I like the tools. I'm I'm probably on the early adopter end of the curve on a lot of these tools. If somebody like me came to you and said, yeah, we use Monday for project management. We've got a Slack channel that we use for internal communication. <clears throat> we, you know, have our docs on, you know, Google Docs and, and Sheets and whatnot. And so we feel like yeah, we're more productive with that. What would you tell a company who says, well, yeah, we're, we're using all these things. What's the, you know, what's the missing ingredient, I guess, for kind of a typical small business that maybe has adopted some of these tools, but they're just scratching the surface with them? Yeah, I'd say, are they stitching those tools together? And you don't need to hire a bunch of developers to build custom code. You can, but there are tools like Zapier that'll let you stitch together one of these third-party tools into Slack, into Microsoft Teams. Um, if you're using, I forget one of the other tools that you mentioned, but say a content management system, could you pipe sales leads in? So you're still using different apps, but the hub, Slack, Zoom, Microsoft Teams, whatever, really is your starting point. And then you get to think of these things holistically. So you spend less time multitasking. Where is that information? Is it in system A, system B? Know all the communications right. in the hub. And I was having a discussion the other day with a, a senior person at Microsoft about my vision for the future. Could you do everything in one of these hubs? And the answer, of course, is no. Right? Imagine the user interface of having 6 million different functions. You thought that Microsoft was crowded now. right? Imagine <laughs> that. But again, this default mindset of could we keep everything in one place? And then towards the end of the book in chapter 15, I read about the future of collaboration. So I could argue, John, and I'm sure you'd agree that there's just a massive time savings of having everything in one spot versus checking six different content management systems or, or email inboxes or whatever. When you think about the future with machine learning and artificial intelligence and I'm no expert on either one, but I know enough to know that they're all based on data. Then I think the future of work is going to look a lot like that Spike Jones movie, Her, when Joaquin Phoenix falls in love with an operating system. I don't know if you ever saw that one. 
<laughs> I, I actually did not, but I'm familiar with it. Right. So I, that's how I think it'll wind up playing out. But none of that happens if everyone is using a different tool. You need that aggregated in some place. So hopefully people will start to get excited about it and realize that this isn't that far away. So so describe the, the you've mentioned it a couple of times, the, the hub idea. What, what, what would that look like? What would that give us? Okay. So just as an example, and I'll pick a, a particular tool, I use Slack and I used it as a college professor uh, for four years at Arizona State. That didn't mean that I couldn't use other tools, but I would tell the students we're not using email, we're not using the learning management system, Blackboard or Canvas. All of our communication is going to take place in Slack, but I would create, say, Google Docs, right? In which case I'd get a notification that someone commented. I wouldn't get it as an email. Right. So that's an example of one particular spoke that I've connected to the hub. Or let's say that I were using uh, a form. Right. It could be Google Forms. It could be SurveyMonkey, something like that. And then someone responds to a survey. Maybe I'm doing a capstone project and someone responds. And again, I get that notification in there or if I'm using Trello for project management. So I'm, again, starting off with the hub and still using these other tools. But the notifications all come in through there. So when you think about that, it's really using those tools in a much more holistic way. There's almost this gestalt, and I'm not thinking about 16 different applications that I use. I'm thinking about just the amazing benefits of knowing that if I'm getting a notification in this particular workspace, it's about this particular workspace, whereas your email could contain a message from anyone about anything. So in the book, I talk about cognitive load, which is a fancy way of saying that it takes you, even if just a couple seconds to figure out what's this message about, who's it from, what do I need to do versus already knowing that because it's in a Slack channel or Microsoft Teams channel, you wind up also getting less overwhelmed. And I think there's a reason at the end of the day, and Zoom fatigue certainly is a real thing, but we are so exhausted. I think that we're missing that context. Or even if you send an email, right? And you made a typo or you forgot to include an attachment. You have to send another email versus in Slack or Teams or Zoom. I can just edit the message and include the attachment. So again, it might not seem like a big deal, but those savings is add up over time. Yeah. And and, and it, increasingly Slack is more than happy to invite you to integrate all of those apps. You, you If you put a link to a Google Doc in there, it'll say, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> you want all your Google Doc stuff fit coming in here? So they, they really are trying to, I think, fashion themselves that way, aren't they? Oh, they're succeeding, right? Salesforce didn't pay $28 billion for them. Was it about three months ago now? Time flies yeah. because it was this standalone product. They see it as being integrated. And that's the other thing that I think people don't understand. Oh, I'm not a coder. I can't link these things together. Sure you can. In fact, you make up a great example. Dropbox is saying, hey, I see you pasted in a Dropbox link. Do you want us to take care of that from now on? Now, there are instances in which you might have to hire a developer to bring in a legacy system. It's just something that it can't do. But increasingly, it's as simple as clicking yes or installing an app. In fact, one of the first things I do when I join a new Slack workspace is install the Zoom app. That way I can make a call right from Zoom. And it might seem like it's not a big deal, but you and I, I'm sure, both had this experience happen, right? You're going back and forth. Where's the link? I can't find it in my inbox. And you wind up wasting 10 minutes of a 30-minute meeting. Yeah. So so let's talk stereotypes for a moment. The, the typical CEO is, in a lot of cases, older than the traditional work for the rest of the workforce. And yet they're probably, they're probably not doing the the demos to see what, what thing to take, but they might be, they might certainly be casting the strategic direction about this hub idea and all internal communication is going to be X, Y, and Z. Do, 
is does that sometimes present a, an issue again going back to sort of the generational stereotypes but i agree with your assessment that it has to start at that level yes you can get benefits from using slack in a group or in a department but to really take advantage of the full power of these hubs you do need that senior level buy in perfect example i don't know if you've ever heard of offer up mhm sure so for the listeners who don't know, it's kind of like a mobile first Craigslist. You can just buy and sell stuff. Anyway, they were using Slack and getting a decent amount of mileage out of it until the CEO said, this is ridiculous. I'm competing with Slack and email. I just want to pick one. We're picking Slack. And once it came down from on high, that Slack was the default mode of com internal communication. They told me that the collaboration inside the company just exploded. So they really were able to take advantage of this, which leads to believe that it's really tough to get a little bit pregnant because let's say, even if you buy into using a hub, well, we use Teams in this department, we use Slack over here, we use Google Workspace over there, well, you get into a pissing contest, right? Well, we're not using yeah. my tool. I've actually, I was writing about this in the book. Um, like you, I use Calendly, but up until recently, I used You Can Book Me. And, and they're very similar tools. I was supposed to do a training course with this large company and we got into an argument over using this, my, my scheduling tool. And it wound up being an unnecessary cause of friction. I think, well, if we can't get together to set up a meeting, what are the odds that we're going to collaborate really well together over the course of two or three months building a course? And now let's hear a word from our sponsor. Hey, if you're already retargeting with Google or Facebook, now you can use one platform, SharpSpring Ads, to simplify the process, double your audience, and improve your ROI. And guess what? I've got an amazing offer. If you sign up for a free account with SharpSpring ads, they'll match up to $1,000 in ad spend. Check it out at ducttape.me slash SharpSpring. That's SharpSpring ads at ducttape.me slash SharpSpring. Well, you, you bring up a point I was going to make too, is it's one thing to, to have the edict on high that this is the only tool we're going to use and all internal communication goes a certain way. But a lot of communication is external, you know, with customers. And in a perfect world, you'd say you'd bring on a new customer and say, you're using Slack now, <laughs> but, you know, to communicate with the team. But, you know, how do you navigate that sort of once you go out into the wild, it's 47 systems again? Sure. Well, to be fair, it's a problem that Slack and Microsoft and the other companies are aware of. In fact, you said you're a Slack user? Yes. Uh -huh. Have you heard of, they used to call them shared channels. Now they call it Slack Connect. So Slack yes. Connect is effectively a channel that reaches into another Slack workspace of another organization. Now, look, I'm not saying that you should turn down a lucrative client because they will never use Slack, but to the extent that more and more companies are using these collaboration hubs, it's going to be less weird to say, hey, is there any way we can try to do this in a more organized way as opposed to a bunch of emails? Because in you, you and I, I think, talked about this a couple of years ago. You use an inbox, right? Someone leaves the company, all that communication, all those decisions, all those documents effectively go kaput versus in a channel, in a workspace, right? If you were to leave the company, well, all your communication is still there. So yeah, what did my predecessor say about that? Oh, wait a minute, here it is. So it's just yeah. a better way of working. And there will be some challenges working with other organizations, but I do think that the juice is more than worth the squeeze, as I'm fond of saying. So, so let's talk a little bit about email because I think you've hinted at this, but maybe you haven't said it out outright. There's an a Harvard Business Review article. I don't know how old it is. That I saw that talked about companies that were banning internal email as a as a practice, and certainly Slack 
proponents and users are like, yes, that's no more email. Where do you stand on that? Is that something you think just everybody should do just categorically? Or is that a personal choice depending upon your strategy? Now, I touched upon that in my 2015 book, Message Not Received, and there actually is a brief mention of Slack in there. And there were other collaboration tools around like Yammer that Microsoft bought, I think, back in 2012 for $1.2 billion. But no, there, there's no reason to send internal email. I think it's insane. Uh, even the Slack folks will tell you at the senior levels, email doesn't go away. It just gets minimized, right? Who wouldn't want an email? John, are you going to complain if you get an email for a speaking gig or someone wants okay. you to contribute to a book? Absolutely not. But if you and I are routinely collaborating because I'm working with you on a marketing campaign, why am I sending you messages in your inbox, right? Even things like, and this is one of my favorite examples, something like emojis. And I've done a complete 180 on them. I used to think that they were kind of silly and for teenage girls. Well, if you think about it, we're in a workspace and I want to acknowledge that I'm looking yeah. into it. I don't know if you know that the eye emoji. Yeah. That ah, symbolizes, yeah. right? And, and and think about how many emails do you get a day when someone writes back, thanks. Yeah. Did that really yeah. have to be an email versus an emoji of thumbs up? So yeah, I do. I'm big, big on the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a better way to spend your time. And again, you've got that context. So think about thanks. Thanks to what? What are we talking yeah. about again? Versus right in the thread underneath it, right? You've got the thumbs up emoji, which just makes so much more sense. So yeah, if if I were king in a company, I'd ban internal email, and I'm sure I'd piss a sure. few people. No, no, I, I, I just think it's one of those things where it's just hard for some people to wrap their head around that idea. And and I was talking about like this typical CEO. I mean, imagine how many companies that decide they're going to do this. And then the CEO says, well, except me, you know, I'm going to, and when the boss sends you an email, you don't write back and say, sorry. Sure, <laughs> right? Implicitly sending the email, was it McLuhan said the medium is the message, right? That's yeah. huge because no one wants to be left out. So of course the conversation is going to devolve from the hub to email, which in which case, well, he doesn't use it. How come I have to use it? So call me a dictator. You wouldn't be the first, but I I do think that the senior folks are sending this implicit message that it's kind of optional. But again, I just, I, I think that's really dangerous. Yeah. The worst part about that is when something's optional, then that means you have to monitor them all. Right. Yeah. And so then it's it's actually even worse than picking one and, and to try to get savings by picking picking that other tool like Slack that was supposed to get you savings is actually double the work. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so so do you and I think I know the answer to this, but I'm gonna ask you anyway, do do you have a set of kind of a stack that you say, well, this is this is the stack everybody ought to go with? Or is it really more of a like you or you mentioned uh, the CRM? All of them work. <laughs> you know, and so now it's a matter of which one is going to work for you. Is that is, do you take that side, or do you say no? These are the three things everybody ought to be looking at. Well, it's tough because, like you, I work with a bunch of different people, and in in the book, I write about how at one point I was using Slack, Zoom, and Microsoft Teams every day. Right, I couldn't very well tell my publisher Wiley, "Hey guys, I don't use Microsoft Teams." In fact, I looked at it as an <laughs> opportunity to learn Microsoft Teams. So. I'm probably a little bit weird, but if I put myself in the position of a full-time W-2 employee, I'd say, look, at this company, we use these tools, and there's a reason for that. In fact, um, I had a discussion a few years ago in, in Las Vegas, a startup that actually had fired someone because after repeated warnings that the employee just would not use Slack, and that's where the conversation took place. So I I do have my preferences, but I have to insist when I can, but also accommodate them because I certainly want to get the gig. And look, if I've done some some interviews with some folks for, for Huffington Post, including the drummer of Rush, my favorite band, 
Neil Peart, rest in peace. I couldn't very well insist. <laughs> hey, Neil, I use Slack. Of course, I'm going to make that exception. But for regular business folks, again, to the extent that these tools are really popular, and even if you use Slack and you go into a Microsoft Teams shop or vice versa, these tools are so similar, right? Much yeah. the same way if you're helping your clients with different systems. Again, they have pretty much the same thing. It's a little bit like that scene in Pulp Fiction, Big Mac versus Royale with cheese. Yeah, I have my preferences, but I like, I'm so happy, John, not to be using email. I'll use pretty much anything. So let's talk about this. We've been talking about this being a strategic thing, decision. It's not like, oh, this department does this or this team does this so they can collaborate better. If we're talking about an organizational strategic, should this category live somewhere on the org chart? Like, should there be a head of collaboration or something like that? It's funny you mention that. And I am downright persnickety when it comes to titles, right? I find it crazy that chief data officer, chief analytics officer, chief design officer, and there's just this title inflation. And this actually came up during one of my other podcasts. Oh, I ask you, who in an organization is responsible for communication? Is it just HR? Well, your sales folks should communicate well, your research folks, your marketing folks. So shouldn't everyone... And I, I know that some companies like GitLab have developed a position for head of remote work, but mm-hmm. for head of collaboration, it almost to me implies, right? If I'm working research, I don't have any real marketing responsibilities. That's under the marketing department. So I'd argue that everyone needs to have the skill. If I had to pick, HR should certainly promote that type of thing. But to be fair, and I have an HR background, believe it or not, a million years ago, HR folks tend to be not all that tech savvy. So I'd like to think that it's important enough to imbue in all departments, but maybe the HR folks should take the lead. But I have a real problem with there being a collaboration department. But 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 definitely that would be part of the onboarding process, you know, that as you mentioned, maybe part of the review process would would be your ability to to collaborate. Oh, I'd see you and raise you even before they start with the company. So as you probably know, with Slack or Microsoft Teams, you can invite guests, right? And what better way to signal, John, to a prospect, right, than inviting that person in and saying, this is how we do things here. And that person says, well, I'm going to just send email. Maybe that's some information you ought to consider before making an offer. So I'd argue it starts even before. What What a great litmus test to see if the person is truly collaborative or they're not. And that could actually reach out and be an employee branding asset too, because I'm sure that there are companies that are looking for it. Like, wow, I really liked how that company communicated. If that's what they do internally, then that's the place for me. Absolutely. If you think about the flexibility now that many employees get to experience working from home, we don't want that to go away, even if we have to go to an office. Well, yeah. all employers are going to say, sure, there's flexibility here, right? Who do you, how do you know if anyone's lying? But could you get a sense from interacting them through the hiring process, even by the tools they use? If they're using a 1996 user interface, are they really all that tech savvy? It may not bother you. I'm not saying don't take the job. But again, it's not like Slack. Microsoft Teams comes with Office 365. Slack, free version is good. Paid version is anywhere from 8 to 12 bucks a month. You know, If they value the tool, then they should be investing in it. Otherwise, isn't it just lip service? Yeah, absolutely. So Phil, and uh, it sounds like people are going to have, we didn't even talk about Zoom but that much, but I think people, in addition to reimagining collaboration, obviously it makes a case for your both your Slack book and your, and your Zoom book, because I think those are more the nuts and bolts of how to actually use that tool if you pick that tool. But tell us where we can find out more about your work and, and reimagining collaboration. Oh, my nonsense is on philsimon.com. Awesome. That was short short and sweet. Phil, it was great catching up with you. It's been a long time. Hopefully uh, we will uh, be able to run into each other uh, one of these days when we all get back out there on the road. 
Thanks for having me on, John. All right, that wraps up another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this show. Feel free to give us reviews. You know, we love those things. Also, did you know that we had created training, marketing training for your team? If you've got employees, if you've got a staff member that wants to learn a marketing system, how to install that marketing system in your business, check it out. It's called the Certified Marketing Manager Program from Duct Tape Marketing. You can find it at ducttapemarketing.com and just scroll down a little and find that tab that says Training for Your Team. Mm -hmm.